Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. So good to have you all. I am going to read from Mark chapter 16, and then I'm going to put one verse up on the scripture, uh, one scripture up on the screen here in a moment. Let me just begin by reading in chapter 16 of Mark, verse number one. You can just remain seated here. Bible says that when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. This is talking about Jesus while he was in the grave. This is after he was crucified. He is now in the grave. This is the third day, and they're coming to anoint him. It's interesting that it was the ladies that came, huh? The men were still in hiding. The women were out getting ready to anoint the body. That's a woman for you. Don't get in my way when I got a job to do. God bless our women. The women's biggest problem was who was going to roll the stone away. Now, this was a massive stone. They didn't know how it was going to get done, but that didn't stop them. They were going to get there and figure it out, which is another thing I appreciate about our ladies. When they are faced with obstacles that they can't conquer themselves, they'll figure it out. Just give me, you got a problem, you can't figure it out, sick the ladies on it. Very early in the morning, verse 2 says, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, who will roll the stone away from the door? of the tomb for us. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled away. Well, I tell you, I'm going to try to preach my notes today, but all these thoughts keep popping in my head as I'm reading the story. If you just get to work, some things work themselves out. You sit around worrying about everything, you never get anything done. If you just get up and get moving, you find out some of the stuff happens for you. And they got there and the stone was already rolled away. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, who was an angel, sitting on the right side, and were alarmed. He said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. The place, see the place where they laid him. Now I want to draw your attention to verse number seven, because this angel said to these ladies, but go and Tell his disciples. Now notice carefully that Peter is highlighted. There were 12, 11 at this point, 11 apostles. And the angel said, go tell his disciples and Peter. Tell Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Amen. It's interesting that he picked out Peter because Peter was the one who failed him the most miserably by denying him three different on three different occasions. I want to read from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I'm going to begin with verse 45, and then I'm going to put a scripture up to draw your attention to it in a moment. This was when Jesus was seeking out his disciples and finding his 12 apostles and pulling them together. And the Bible says that Philip, one of the men that was already with Jesus, found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. Nathanael said to him, Come. Uh, and Nathanael said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? We found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. Nazareth was a podunk town that n- nothing good came out of. 
And he said, can, can, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Let me tell you something about Jesus. He brings good out of the worst of us. Doesn't he? You look at some of the people that live for God and you look at some of their backgrounds and you wonder, can someone that bad really be a servant of God? And I say, oh, yes, he can. Because Jesus is the change maker. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, this is a powerful statement too. Philip said, come and see. And maybe you're here today for your very first time because someone said, come and see. You got to come and see this. You got to come and experience. You got to see what's going on and feel the presence of the Lord. Come and see, he said. And so Philip went with him. And uh, the Bible says that, behold, they came to Jesus, and Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. They had never met. They had never met. And Jesus said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Jesus had never met him. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows all about you. King David said he knows my downsettings and he knows my uprisings, risings. He knows your good points and he knows your bad points. He sees you as you are and loves you as you are. Aren't you glad about that? He loves you. I want to draw your attention to verse 48, because right after Jesus said, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Listen to what he said. Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Isn't that something? He didn't know Jesus was anywhere around. In fact, Jesus wasn't anywhere around. But he knows all things. And while Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree, Jesus could see him. From that, I want to preach a message. Now, don't get up and walk out on me when I give you my sermon title. In fact, maybe you'll stick around just to find out where I'm going to go with this. But the sermon title I want to preach to you today is this. Romper Room Never Saw Radimus. Boy, some of you are looking like, is there a way to get out of the sanctuary fast? Stay with me, would you? Romper Room Never Saw Radimus. Let's pray for just a moment. Jesus, I'm asking that you will touch my heart, my mind, also the ears and the understanding of this congregation and everyone and anyone that might be listening to this online that you will touch our hearts and help us to understand through this message with this strange title how much you love every one of us and how much you care about every one of us. Can you say amen? I know this is a strange title for our Easter message, but bear with me. I'm going to turn it into an Easter message before it's over. Radimus was a young boy. He grew up in a rough neighborhood in Brooklyn. He was the result of an illegitimate relationship between a married man and Radimus' mother. 
And the earliest memory, and perhaps the only memory Radimus has of his biological father was when he was about five years old, he and his mother went to his biological father's house and knocked on the door for some help. The father was not in the house, but the biological grandmother was, but the biological grandmother would not open the door. She was not interested in having anything to do with this illegitimate child. And so the door remained shut. They stayed for a while, hoping, hoping that somehow they would get some kind of recognition, and it never came, and so Radimus and his mother walked away. As fate would have it, they happened to bump into the biological father coming up out of the subway uh, stairs, and the biological father and the mother stood there arguing for some time, before the father finally stormed off, walked away, and never acknowledged that his son was standing there. Never gave him any recognition, never spoke to him, never said hi to him, just walked away. Never saw Radimus. Radimus was like an unseen little boy. Some of us feel that way sometimes, don't we? His mother remarried another man who was not Radimus's father, but he didn't really see Radimus either, at least not in the sense of having a son. Radimus will tell you that as a small boy, he'd be sleeping and the stepfather would come along with a bright flashlight and put it up to his eyes and shine it in his eyes to awaken him. And then when he would wake up, he would treat Radimus poorly, accusing him of faking being asleep. Now, what kind of a father does those things? Nobody ever saw Radimus, really, as a boy. They never saw his needs as a boy. He grew up in a rough neighborhood in Brooklyn. It was not uncommon to hear gunfire in the streets while he slept. It was the neighborhood where a car thieving operation took place, headquartered out of that neighborhood with an empty lot across the street. And that lot was used as a transfer station to either sell stolen cars or stolen car parts. All of this crime and activity going on all around Radimus. Let me tell you, this was no Mr. Rogers neighborhood he grew up in. Can you say amen? Radimus grew up just looking for somebody, someone, anyone, like every one of us, just needing someone to see him to recognize him, to realize I'm broken and I need someone to love me. And he could not find it anywhere. There was no one. And to make matters worse, add injury to insult, Romper Room didn't even see him. Now I need to explain Romper Room because I'm seeing a lot of blank faces right now. Unless you're in your 50s or maybe 60s, you don't know what Romper Room is. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what Romper Room is. Romper Room was a children's television series that started back in the 1950s. It existed up until the early 90s, I think. And uh, it was a child program, a children's program. Now listen carefully to what Romper Room did. This, there, boy, we need to go back to maybe some of this kind of stuff. Romper Room opened up their, their kids' program by saying the Pledge of Allegiance. 
I would dare say we have teenagers living in America that were born in this country that could not quote the Pledge of Allegiance. And America is not a perfect country, and this isn't a political message, but let me tell you something. If you want to come here and live here and avail yourselves of the benefits and the, and, the, and, the, and the goodness that this country has to offer, you probably ought to pledge your allegiance to this country. That's just a free. Just throwing that out. I'm not saying America's perfect. That's a whole other message. But they started out by saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and then the hostess of these group of children that were on the show, this is back when local television was a thing, and they'd have all the kids right there on the set, and uh, they would be having all these kids there, and after they, they said the Pledge of Allegiance, they would start with some songs, some games, some story lessons, and the story lessons were moral stories. Imagine teaching kids morals. If we try to do that today, it's too offensive to too many. Teach your children morals. Then they would cry out when it came time for the show to happen. They would cry out, Mr. Music, please. Or they would say, we're ready, Mr. Music. And they would prop the background music to start. And the young cast of children, which were four and five and six-year-olds, uh, would, uh, would begin to sing these beautiful little kindergarten songs. And many of the people that worked on Romper Room were ex-kindergarten teachers. And then the hostess would bring out the milk and the cookies for the kids. Now listen to this. As though Pledge of Allegiance isn't enough, they would actually pray before they ate their cookies. On television! You can't have prayer on television now, it's too offensive. And they would say, this was their prayer, before they would eat their cookies, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Amen. That's not a bad prayer to pray over a lot of stuff. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Let us thank him for our families. Let us thank him for our friends. Let us thank him for our church. Let me thank him for my wife. Amen. Amen. Let me thank him for my husband. Let me thank him for all my children. Let me thank him for my mom and dad. Let me thank him for everything because the Bible says every good gift comes from our Father in heaven. Every good gift comes down from our Father in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. And it's interesting that probably Rodimus would have quoted this prayer with these kids on TV, and that might have been the closest thing he ever came to experiencing God in his life. It's a quote of prayer that simply says, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for his food. Now let me tell you the reason for my title. 
Romperum never saw Radimus. Because Radimus was a young boy whose father did not see him, whose stepfather did not see him. He actually got word later on in life that his biological father passed away and he reached out to his half-sister, same uh, father, different mother, but half-sister, because he just wanted to connect with some kind of blood relationship. And so he reached out, he made sure that she understood, I'm not looking for anything, I don't want anything, I'm not looking for an inheritance, I'm not look I just want to connect with somebody that I can relate to that has the same blood running through their veins as me. And he was rejected. She didn't see him either. Nobody saw Radimus. Nobody saw him. At the end of Romper Room, the hostess would look through what, it, what was referred to as the magic mirror. Some of you, some of you old timers familiar with romper room, you know what I'm talking about. It was like a, it was like a handheld, uh, you know, a handheld mirror, but the, the mirror was gone. It was really just looking through it. And this hostess would say, don't laugh when I tell you this, I'm going to quote what she said. It's not me. She would say, romper, bumper, stomper, boo. Tell me, tell me, tell me, do. Magic mirror, tell me today. Did all my friends have fun at play? No, Radimus didn't. He didn't have fun playing. His neighborhood was too dangerous. His father never saw him. Nobody saw him. He was alone trying to make sense of the world around him. So no, proper room, all your children did not have fun at play. And then what she would do was she would begin to name the names of the little children that she saw not on the set but out in TV land. And she would look through her magic mirror and she would say, ah, I see Kathleen and I see Owen and I see Mary and Jimmy and I see Kelly and Tommy and I see Bobby. And what parents were encouraged to do was to send their children's first name in so that they could name those names. But nobody told Radimus he was supposed to send his name in because nobody cared that what he was doing. And so he had no parent, no father that sent his name in. And so every day that he could, he would be watching Rapper Room. And while nobody else in the world could see him, he waited to see if Rapper Room saw him. And every day he waited to hear, I see Kathy and Billy and Owen and Mary, but they never said, I see Radimus. Ever. He never got the response he was looking, at, looking for. Once again, he was ignored. Once again, he was unseen. How many of you can imagine that Radimus grew up and did not turn out to be the best individual going in society? Can you imagine that? You wonder what's wrong with some people out there? Nobody loves them. Some people you look at and say how evil a person that is. You know what the problem is? They've never had anybody love them. Oh, that the church would bend down low to the pits of hell where people crawl around and love them and bring them in and tell them there is a God in heaven who sees you. 
all this time that Radimus was looking for somebody to recognize him, nobody did. Nobody saw him. No father, no, no siblings, none of this. But all through those days, there was one who saw Nathaniel under a fig tree, and he saw Radimus in a run-down, broken-down, crime-ridden neighborhood looking for somebody to love him. And he said, Radimus, I love you so much. I will die so that you can live. That, my friend, is who Jesus is. And all the time that Radimus was just looking for someone to notice him, he did not know that there was a God in heaven who loved him so much that he went to Calvary to pay the price for the sin-stricken life that he was now living. Not only did Radimus see him, but he did for him what, the apostle, what he did for the Apostle Peter. I read you the scripture this morning. This morning I read to you that the Apostle Peter, who was such a failure, he wasn't just a failure at the crucifixion, he was a failure before that. He did a lot of stupid things. I've done a lot of stupid things. I've Probably none of you have, but I have. I've done a lot of stupid things. Peter did a lot of stupid things. Peter wasn't a perfect man. And in fact, when it came right down to it, Peter, who stood up and said, I will fight with you, I'll go with you to the very death, ended up denying Jesus three times before he was even crucified, denying he even knew him. Peter was a failure. And yet it was to Peter specifically that Jesus told these women Go tell my disciples and make sure you tell Peter I'm alive. Don't you ever reach the place where you think you have failed too much that a risen Savior doesn't want to stand up and say, you need to know I'm alive. You can't fail bad enough for me not to stand up and say, you need to hear the good news. I'm alive! Praise God! Praise God! Incidentally, just so you know this about the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter failed Jesus while he was with him, before he died. He failed Jesus while Jesus was being crucified, and he failed Jesus after he rose again. That's right. Peter wasn't perfect. Even during the book of Acts, you can read it, Peter failed Jesus in the book of Acts after he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Failed him. The Apostle Paul had to confront him on a couple of things. Your imperfection doesn't make you worthless. Your failures don't make you somebody that can be just brushed off. In fact, your failures can make you a greater person because you can pick up the pieces, learn from it, and do something greater as a result of it. So just like Jesus told those ladies to go tell Peter, 
2,000 years later, he tapped somebody on the shoulder. I don't know who it was, but 2,000 years later, he tapped somebody who said, would you go tell Radimus for me that I see him, that I'm alive, that all is well. Go tell Radimus. Radimus came to that one that saw him. He was baptized in Jesus' name. God filled him with his spirit, and now Radimus will never be alone again, nor will he ever be unseen again. God has given Radimus an earthly family now, his own family. I just got to ask you a question real quick. Do you think, do you think a young Radimus who nobody saw, nobody acknowledged, not even Rome? who grew up and went bad because nobody cared until he found a savior. And now Radimus is married, and Radimus has children, and Radimus has grandchildren. Let me ask you something. Do you think that those children or those grandchildren are unseen by Radimus, or do you think he sees them? <laughs> I got a feeling he might see him to a fall, kind of like me. I go overboard with my grandkids. Why? Why? Because he is now doing for others what was not done for him. Don't you let your past dictate your future. Sometimes you're suffering... Sometimes your hardships and sometimes your difficulties can be somebody else's blessing if you'll allow yourself to be made better by them instead of bitter by them. I'm going to wrap this up now. Because Radimus not only has an earthly family of a wife, children, grandchildren, but he's got a church family that's filled with brothers and sisters in Christ that he worships God with on a regular basis. A family that far exceeds anything he ever dreamed possible in this life after the childhood he had experienced growing up. In fact, Radimus is sitting right here in the auditorium with us today. Some of you might know who Radimus is. The rest of you just know him as Ray. Our brother, Ray Toro. Now, we take Ray Toro, and incidentally, I, I got his permission to use his story before I just start preaching about him. So don't you worry. Oh, no. So preach about me next Sunday. <laughs> I always seek permission. We now take Ray Toro and we stick him at the front door of the church. So he's the one of the first people you see when you come in. You know why? Because he loves everybody. But you know why he loves everybody? Because Jesus loved him when no one else did.
And so I want to wrap this up by saying to you today, it matters not what lifestyle you lived. It matters not what part of the neighborhood you come from. It matters not who rejected you or who abused you. It matters not what you even did by your own choice in the past. What matters is Jesus sees you and says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I will be your father. I will be your family. I will be your friend. Thank you, Jesus. He made sure. Let's all stand together. He made sure Peter knew after his miserable failure that it's okay. I'm alive now. He made sure Nathaniel understood that while he thought nobody noticed him, Jesus could see him sitting under that fig tree all by himself. And he wants you to know he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what this world has done to you. He knows exactly your faults, your failures, your own shortcomings. And he says, come unto me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. I overcame death, hell, and the grave. And I can overcome your hardships too. Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, And if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 1030 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you and God bless.